Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Don't, 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 Michael Preston. Pretty much how I felt. Saturday night, not because I went to a karaoke bar after the game. (laughs) I am a horrible singer. Just horrible. I apologize to everybody that was there. Jeff Neusser from Podcast Versus Everyone, our managing editor at Kook Center, going to join me later. This is a bye week, so we're not going to do the full normal show, obviously, but we're going to talk a little bit about the Fair Pay to Play Act in California, Senate Bill 206. That was signed last week, earlier this week, I can't remember which, down there. And kind of the implications of that for the NCAA and its member institutions. Then our dunderhead of the week and Ask Michael Anything. We will keep some traditional things around here on the bye week. Um, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> had four some odd days to digest it. And again, I, I the same problems persist, right? Like, no real leader on this team. Everybody's fat, dumb, and happy. <laughs> and I, I I think the book has kind of been written on how to beat this Washington State team by Utah. Now, to be sure, Utah is one of the better teams they're going to face for the remaining remainder of the year. I don't think ASU is as good. I don't think Colorado is as good. Col- or, uh, Oregon certainly is better. Cal's defense is certainly up there. Um, as well. So again, I, I think like we said last week, you're going to find out a lot about who this team is over the next month over that game, you know, and then all the way through that Cal game, so a month and a half maybe, but you're going to find out a lot about them. And at least in the driving rain in Salt Lake City on Saturday night, I, I mean, the game didn't really feel spirally or out of control until that second half when Utah really took control of the football game and kind of imposed their will on Washington State. And I, I again, I think what we're talking about here is that the book is written on the Cougs here, right? Because what Utah did to them, Houston did in the first half, and Jeff and Craig touched on this earlier this week, and it was limit possessions. Washington State had four possessions in the second half. They only had the ball for two and a half minutes in the third quarter, and that last possession did carry over into the fourth. But again, it is sucking up that time and not allowing this offense to be on the field because that defense is bad. And it's now an offense that is going to press and try and really try to put the throttle down because they're worried about compensating for their defense. Here is how Washington State's possessions ended in the second half against Utah. Interceptions, interception, downs, interception, and a half. I mean, uh, uh, that that is horrible, right? I mean, you you don't need me to tell you that. And you know we'd love to go over possession count. On this podcast, because to us, this is the important thing. How many opportunities are you getting to score? In the second half, Utah had the same number of drives, as you might suspect. Field goal, touchdown, punt, touchdown. 
I mean, that that is the book. Limit possessions, score on yours. Now, that could be the book in any game, really, but especially for a Washington State team where their offense is so outpacing their defense, you want to keep that defense on the field. And again, this is a Wazoo team that was pressing a little bit. Utah had 12 pass breakups in the game. 12. Now, to be sure, this is, again, probably the best defense. Not probably. It is the best defense Wazoo's seen all year by quite a long way. No other defense even remotely comes close. But they broke up 12 of Anthony Gordon's passing attempts. 12 of his 49 pass attempts. So what is that? That's a little shade under 25%. That's incredible. That's an incredible stat to me. And besides the fact that he was 30 of 49 for 252 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. And again, the quick math there is a little over five yards per attempt, while Tyler Huntley had over 11 yards per attempt. Tyler Huntley is not this world beater. Tyler Huntley is not even remotely in the conversation for a Heisman Trophy. Even the good quarterbacks who weren't last year, he's not even really in the conversation of them. And yeah, his his passing has improved a bit, but... 11 yards per pass. Oh my goodness. Goodness me. That's how you beat this football team going forward. I don't know if Arizona State can do that. They are certainly very good on the ground with Daniels and Eno Benjamin. So they are better equipped to do that. Colorado, probably not. Oregon, they move quick anyway. (laughs) Cal, probably very well equipped to do that considering their quarterback play is still not very good. Somehow. After all this time. (laughs) But limiting possessions is, again, how, how we're going to do that. And, I mean, you know, we're four days after this, guys. I mean, we don't, you know... What more is there to talk about? What more is there to really go over? I'm just here for a little catharsis to go over it. And it is a bye week. We want you to enjoy it. I do I do want to highlight some good stuff. Uh, again, Craig and Jeff pointed out the special teams was excellent. Travell Harris had some good returns um, in that game. Blake Mazza nailed a 51-yard field goal in the rain. Great for him. Good job there. Jack Crane's kickoffs all were touchbacks. Oscar Dragicevich, 45 yards per punt. Long of 48, one inside the 20. Um... They did a really great job. They did a really, really great job on uh, on on Saturday. They did an excellent job. I, I don't think there's anything to, you know, all the punts were fair cut. Both the punts were fair caught. All the kickoffs went through the end zone. That's excellent. And especially after their previous week, if they were feeling down at all about being responsible for that loss, I mean, gosh, great work by Matt Brock on the special team side. Everybody else fat, dumb, and happy, apparently. But great work there. Um, And I I guess, you know, again, this is kind of abbreviated. We'll get to Jeff and I's talking about uh, New California law here in a second. But somebody's got to step up. Somebody has got to step up and lead this football team in the next week. Because it can't be... and, 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 you know, I know part of it is, you know... At some point, it's coaching. At some point, you're going to look at the coaches and say, why aren't you guys doing more to help them establish a leader? 
And maybe it is their fault. But somebody's got to step up and do something. Because this season is spiraling out of control. And it's doing it quick. 105 points given up by this defense in the last two weeks. 52.5 points a game on average. In Pac-12 play. That is horrific. That is not going to win you a single football game the rest of the way. To give up 52.5 points per game. Something has got to give here. Because right now, that analogy we gave you last week, the rock rolling down the hill, nothing to stop at the RV, the chalk removed, and all you can do is wave your hands. That's what it feels like. It feels like you are still waving your hands, trying desperately to create a little wind to get that thing to slow down a bit, but you're not going to be successful. This defense has to get better. Has to. This offense needs Brandon Arcanado back. And there are words I never thought I would ever say that this offense needs Brandon Arcanado back. It needs those things desperately. Because right now, you know, I, I did not, you know, I thought this team would be about seven and five, eight and four. The meat of their schedule, very difficult, and only six home games. But you're barreling towards a, your first year since 2014 without a bowl game right now. That That's where I feel like you're at. I mean, I, I, I honestly can't say I look at another game on the schedule and go, that's definitely a win. Colorado and Oregon State might be as close as I come. Stanford too, maybe. But those are your three home games. Those are your three home games. I would really, you know, I, I I guess it doesn't fall in line with my old expectations of what I used to say about Michael Leach. I just want a bowl game three out of every four years. Or two out of three, or whatever I said. Because it's been four out of four years. And my expectations have gotten outsized, just like everybody else has had. Maybe it was last year that did that. But this team should be better. There is talent, a lot of it, on both sides of the ball. Something is wrong. And it feels like a thing that you just cannot put your finger on. I don't know what it is. But the coaches had better figure it out and figure it out fast. They get a week to do it. We'll find out in Tempe if they did. Jeff Neusser, up next here on the Cook Center Hour. Back here on the Coog Center Hour after just... The, uh, we don't need to keep talking about that football game, but it's a bye week. We don't have a game this week to talk about, so everybody can relax and like hang out, watch football. Although Jeff Neusser of Podcast Versus Everyone and our managing editor at kookcenter.com, the man does everything. The late slate of games kind of not great this week as was as was kind of the case when Wazoo played Houston so you had a stress-free Saturday the late slate's kind of like meh it's very not great yeah yeah it's not I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna be in Yakima drinking beer with Craig so see now that seems like I'm just not even gonna bother yeah that seems like a really good idea I think we're doing like a field day for a friend's birthday yeah and then yeah. going to a bar and drinking beer. So that's, yeah. I'm just avoiding this, football. This, by again. the way, is breaking news. Because Craig talked about this on the podcast. Right. And at that time, I wasn't going. Because I was just, you know, we were talking about how he was going. But now, because my wife, Sarah, is amazing and suggested that we go. I mean, who am I to argue? With? No. 
I've, I I would I've yeah I've I've found that when your spouse gives you permission to do something you really want to do you just don't question it and just go do it before their mind has changed that is that's, that is that's it that's that's the worst advice I can ever give. you just you just just go um yeah jeff i wanted to talk about we don't need to talk about the football team we already kind of covered that you guys did a good job covering it uh, (laughs) this week on the show you want to talk about that i I mean we can if you want no i no i don't no i don't (laughs) i've gone over it enough yeah i was about to say you you've bled enough digital ink and i think you and craig did you guys did like almost an hour on them uh this week before you moved on to kyle smith and basketball but yeah which was was probably forty minutes too much, but yeah. whatever. Well, and 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 it's therapeutic. A, yeah, no, it is. Well, and, and that's part of it for us. Um, but I wanted to bring you on to talk about uh, California's fair play, fair play to pay, pay. Oh my gosh, fair pay to play law, which was Senate Bill two hundred six down in California. Uh, Governor Newsom signed it last week, um, and I, I I think we talked about it on the podcast a little bit last week. And what's interesting to me, Jeff, is that since then, there's kind of been this cascade effect of all these other states. All of a sudden, it was like California was just the one at the door of the fort that threw the door open, and now everybody's streaming in behind them. And I wanted to bring you on to talk about it because I, you're kind of our resident expert on these sort of things, and they kind of assuage a lot of like frightened folks, because I can understand, you know, in Wazoo's position, we're not, we're not exactly cash you know, rich to begin with. And in this situation, we're certainly at a a disadvantage again, but, but kind of, did you kind of get that sense as well that it kind of seemed like everybody else was just kind of waiting for someone else to do it. And then California took the bullet and went and did it first. Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, Washington, you may have talked about this on your show. Washington had its own sort of version of the legislation that never really made it to the floor for, but I don't think it ever made it out of committee. No, it didn't. Uh, but it had a committee hearing, and, you know, so they, they talked about it. And, um, you know, basically Wazoo and UW came to the committee hearing and were like, we'd really rather you not do this. <laughs> like, yeah. we'd, we'd really rather not be first on this, okay? We'd rather not be the guinea pigs. And and so the, the lawmakers up here just said, okay, fine. But, um, you know, California, you know, being California, you lived in California for a while. Californians mm-hmm. are like, ain't nobody going to tell us what to do. And so um, and so they did it. And, and I think what's sort of been crazy is that that like it's it's easy to sort of write California off as the wacky liberals, right? Like, oh, those are the West Coast liberal elite, whatever out there, doing their own, you know, trying to destroy the world kind of deal. But some of these other states that are jumping on these are these are not wacky liberal states. We're, we're talking states like Florida, South like Carolina, Carolina yeah. like. You know, we're talking about places where you've got Republicans, which is sort of the fascinating thing to me because, um, you know, it's, you know, those are the people that should be most for this kind of legislation because this is the kind of stuff that allows people to realize their uh, true value in a capitalist society, right? Like if you are, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a a dyed-in-the-wool Republican, you believe very strongly in free market forces and all of these things with with as little sort of government interference as possible. Well, you know, then you should love this kind of legislation. And they hadn't up until now. And now that California has sort of taken that step, now the fear of – 
well, we're going to really screw our schools if we do this is, is gone. Right. Yeah. So, you know, by jumping on. So now you do have, you know, Republicans saying, yeah, let's this is totally like the road, the way we should be doing this. People should free market. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I, it's weird that it took so long. But I think equally weird is the way that so many people are just jumping on now. Mm-hmm. It, it, honestly, it's kind of making my head spin and, and surprising me to some degree that um, so many people are so enthusiastically kind of jumping onto this and and i think the reason why they are is because uh it seems like it's a pretty popular measure with people in general that you don't hear a lot of people outside of ncaa administrators saying this is a bad idea most people are like yeah this makes sense like why wouldn't you be able to profit from your own name and likeness Mm -hmm. and so and, and i think that's why it's gaining traction in the other states I, we should mention this will get briefly political as it needs to because we are dealing with state legislatures and whatnot, and we do try to stray away from that on this show, but this is unavoidable in this case, and I will not apologize for it, not that I really apologize for how bad the editing is on this show on a weekly basis anyway, but um, one thing I, I it was kind of interesting to me, Jeff, is that in my, it's again, my, you know, the hoity-toityness of saying my travels, but I have family who lives in Europe, and it's interesting to them that, you know, when you kind of talk about your fandom and it's, you know, you root for a college. I mean, A, a college athletics team is just completely foreign to them because in right. Europe, at least, you know, the professional teams all kind of, they, they breed and train their own players. And what's especially foreign to them is the idea that these student athletes would not be compensated save for you know, their school being paid for. So I, I, I think to me, and maybe this, you know, th- th- this was kind of the last of its breed around the world, if there ever really was another of its kind anywhere. And it just kind of seemed like the ball got rolling enough to this point, especially with the Ed O'Bannon case, that this this was bound to happen. It was going to happen eventually. There was nothing the NCAA could do to stop it. This also isn't going to be the end of it. Like, yeah. And that's sort of, I think, the the elephant in the room right now. And I think that's truly what has the NCAA terrified. You know, they run around with their doomsday scenarios. And they've, they're sort of like the boy who cried wolf at this point where they, they run around. And every, every little thing that might strip away at their, you know, their pie in the sky definition of, of quote unquote amateurism, right? Which is a thing that has been defined a hundred different ways in the last hundred years. And it, it, the definition basically uh, is whatever they needed to be at any particular time to make sure that they can preserve their power structure. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, so they run around saying, oh, this and that is going to be the, you know, the doom of college athletics. Well, you know, everything they've ever said was going to be the doom of college athletics has, you know, shockingly not been the doom of college athletics, right? I mean, there was a time when Title IX was going to be the doom of college athletics because, oh my God, how can we, how can we possibly pay for this? And, and you know, and of course they're fine, right? Yeah. So, um, so this is also not going to be, you know, the doom of college athletics, but it is, I think, um, just one next step in terms of where this is going to end up because i think you know one thing that's going to happen that you're going to see this name and likeness people always think like 
oh, you know, they think sponsorships and uh, endorsement deals and whatever. There are very few players that that sort of thing is actually going to apply to, right? Yeah. Like, like you know, you think of, okay, Zion Williamson, right? Of course, you know, that guy would have been, you know, primed for that sort of thing. Um, you think of, okay, like in our backyard, Gardner Minshew last year probably could have capitalized on that, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, is, is Fred Mauigoa capitalizing on that? You know, no. is Justice Rogers capitalizing on that? You know, was Jalen Thompson going to be able to even you know, I mean, say Jacob Eason at UW? He's not probably right. not capitalizing on that. Right. So where they are going to be able to capitalize it is in certain licensing deals, probably things like the NCAA football game, like yep. that kind of thing, where they'll be able to license their likeness to that sort of an endeavor and they'll make some money. It'll, it'll probably be relatively small amounts, but they'll be able to do that, you know, jerseys, things like that. You know, you're, you're probably looking at that kind of stuff for the most part. But what's going to happen is, and so I think the next logical step is that they're going to do those things. They're going to realize that they actually aren't re- realizing that much value from their name and likeness while the institutions are still bringing in tens of millions of dollars from television contracts that are based on their labor. And so it's, I think, I don't know how long it's going to take, but the next natural step is for them to say, Hey, wait a second. Like, like, uh, okay, this is fine, but this is not enough. And you know, they, with this step, I think the biggest key here is they have a little more agency with Mm -hmm. all of it. And I think that'll create some more agency in some of these other areas, but it's a really good first step and it's the right step. And it's been a logical step forever. And, you know, the NCAA's, you know, major problem is that they, they have had really basically five years to get out in front of this, right? The the O'Bannon case was decided five years ago and they've just, you know, put their, dug their heels in and said, no, you know, we're not giving an inch on this. Well, all of a sudden California out of nowhere, almost, goes no we're gonna do this and then all of a sudden the incident was like oh my god the sky is falling well now it really is because you got all these other states so uh, the ncaa from pretty much inception has always been kind of hanging on by a thread because of the way it's set up being uh, empowered by its member institutions um, i think you know this just sort of illustrates just how tenuous uh, their grip is on all of this stuff and, and, and just sort of how, how feckless they are in so many ways. Yeah. I want to bring it back, <clears throat> excuse me, to another uh, another point you made, and it actually has to do with Title IX. And I, I think what a lot of folks are, you know, that, you know, college football or athletics fans who don't want to see this, and, and, I, and I, I can understand that perspective because you're worried about, you know, your passion and everything else going away. It's something I'm worried about too. I, I admit that, but it's also this is the correct thing to do for these student athletes is to compensate them, especially because I want the NCAA football game back. But I, I, I think <laughs> well, I, I, we can just all admit that. Um, I yeah, think yeah. that for me, a lot, a lot, what a lot of people spit back at, you know, on social media or in comment sections where I'm not saying, you know, exclusive kook center or wherever, but is title nine, title nine, title nine. What do we do about title nine? And the more I've thought about it, Jeff, and tell me if you agree or, or not, is that, you don't really have to do anything because Title IX doesn't apply to this. And even if it did, it's in compliance with Title IX because these right. the women in these sports have opportunities to get sponsorships. Caitlin Osashi, the, I think the UCLA gymnast, would have had opportunities to license her likeness with yep. this law, right? Right. And that's... So Title IX is only going to – I mean, look, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. You're not a lawyer. Okay? No. So we're, we're just sort of like you know, the layperson understanding of the issue. 
is that, you know, basically Title IX is really talking about university resources. Right. right? So you're talking about scholarships, you're talking about money, things like that. Um, in this case, you know, the, the, you're not dealing with university resources right now. You're dealing with individual, basically third parties, right, is what you're dealing with here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, there's, you know, as far as I can tell, there's no Title IX implications here. And I also can't. I, I just can't imagine how this would end up being a bad thing for non-revenue sports. I think that there are, you know, certain situations where, you know, those students might actually be able to, to realize some value from that. I don't know for sure what those kinds of things would be. I'm sure, again, people typically think endorsement deals. And I think that's really only one way that this could, you know, mm-hmm. one way that you could realize value. I'm sure there are others. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, but I can't. I, I I don't know. Like I haven't heard a genuine argument as to how this could be um, detrimental to those non-revenue sports, those non-revenue uh, sport student athletes. Like I just can't. I, like I said, I, I I have not heard an argument that makes any sense as to how this could actually be damaging yeah. to really anybody. Yeah, so. I, I I think, and well, I would another question to follow up, but I, you know, pretty much what it does is like you take. I, I heard a really good example from Jay Billis the other day. It was UCF's punter a few years ago had a YouTube channel. He had to shut down right because right. he couldn't have it, and it was like right. the NCAA told him you can either be eligible or you can have this, but you can't have both. And I think that's the. That's the big difference. Um, one right. other thing I wanted to touch, well, a few other things we want to touch on, but one other thing was a lot of, you know, also consternation about this is the end of amateurism. This is the end of amateur sports. And I, I again, this is kind of a situation where, like with Title IX, I went, yeah, and? Like, what, what is the big deal about this? Because you're not, you're not really worried about Olympic sports because athletes stay eligible for the Olympics in all kinds of ways, using their name and likeness to make money or sponsorships right. from, you know, their athletic brand. Um, yeah. the, the, it would just be the death of amateurism as we have it in the United States because, again, this brand of amateurism doesn't exist anywhere else in the world where you're just given an education for playing a sport. It's a completely foreign concept to people. Right, and amateurism as, as an NCAA principle is really only to basically keep the athletes disenfranchised like that's that is why it exists the whole system is propped up by the idea that these athletes cannot make more than you know blank 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 um you know the value of a scholarship and this is the thing like okay so i mean obviously uh you know you know this but you know i wrote a very long thing before football season about my, Mm -hmm. my sort of like the ways that i wrestle with you know the morality of being a college football fan versus the excitement of being a college football fan and as part of that i did kind of a deep dive into the history of the ncaa and kind of amateurism and all these things and you know i mean amateurism has always been a sham concept it has always been uh something that was defined um, as a matter of convenience and as a matter of preserving power structures and over the years it has changed you know when the NCAA and, and college athletics started, the idea of an athletic scholarship was like, ah, that's, oh my God, that's like, no, like, how can you do that? It right? even, like, it even still like is. At, like, at, yeah. Division three, it still is. You cannot have an athletic scholarship yeah, in division three schools. I, I mean, when, when people started doing that, people went, the other people, the educators went, oh my God, that's like, that's like paying them. Yeah. Right? 
Well, yeah. now, you know, a hundred years later, it's like, oh, that's not paying them. That's this and that, right? Or, you know, whatever, five years ago or eight years ago or whatever it was when they decided that it was okay to give them the full cost of attendance amount, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, now it's okay to give them a stipend every month for X, Y, Z expenses, right? It's like they just, they changed the definition to fit whatever they needed to fit in order to stay within the system that they've created. And, and it's, you know, I mean, even one of the judges was like, you know, amateurism, like as a, as a concept is like the way you define it is, is ridiculous. Like, like they're just like, whatever. So, you know, yes, this, this is one more step, uh, away from whatever the classic definition of amateurism is, but it's been so far away from that for so long. And if you spend any time around college athletes, they, they are hardly amateurs. I mean, they, they are essentially professional in most every way. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if you spend time around football players, it's the, the time that's put on them, the subpar education they receive. Most of them, I mean, not all of them, but most of them are steered towards easy majors and they take classes that fit with their practice schedule, whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been professionalized for a long time and, and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt us to, um, allow them to realize some of that value while also acknowledging that, yes, this is not maybe the pure endeavor that, you know, we, we try to fool ourselves into thinking it is, and, you know, it's okay. And the world's not going to fall apart. And, you know, there's not going to be this all of a sudden massive recruiting imbalance that people worry about because, like, there's no way it could get any more imbalance than it is yeah. now. Like, like I mean, come on. Like, well, the same four teams, the same five teams are in the college football playoff every year. Yeah, I think – same five or six teams get all the best recruits. I mean, it's not – we're so far away from any kind of reason, any kind of level playing field. Right. That, I, know, and, I, and if anything, this is going to make it more level. Yeah, honestly, well, I, I, I think – because so. that's kind of what I wanted to touch on next as I trip over myself trying to interrupt you again um it was that no i I know we we get going all the time we both do this um i i think (laughs) the big thing for me is that you know when when people say it's just going to make it imbalanced and i look at it already and i go how is it not there alabama and clemson (laughs) have played in the national championship for three years in a row how are we not there and no, and there are there are like five teams who have a shot at that game this year. Five. How 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 can it get worse than it is right now? Like, it is four teams who have a shot. Like, how how does it get worse with handing out these sponsorships? And it's not like Adidas and Nike. I mean, yeah, they have a ton of money, but it's not like they're just printing it and throwing it to all right. these friggin' kids, right? It's just it's right. it 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 is already bad. This is not going to exacerbate yeah. it. I don't think if you take it to the law, people always like to take these things to the logical extreme, right? So so they say things like, Oh, well some, you know, booster in Alabama is going to pay every kid, you know, $300,000 to, you know, sell his cars at his car dealership or whatever, right. To come out and shake hands once a year with whatever. Right. So like there's this, it's like this end around, um, with the you know recruiting process right like like this is what it's going to lead to and i go okay well i mean let's take it to that extreme okay maybe someone might be inclined to do that but you know do you think that these people like anybody has unlimited resources and then do you think that like okay so they're gonna you you really think alabama is gonna gobble up you know five five five-star running backs right like those five-star running backs want to play 
Yeah. Right? Like, like their goal is not to make a few hundred thousand dollars in Alabama. Their goal is to make a hundred million dollars in the NFL. So if that's their goal, they're not, you know, settling for a few hundred thousand, you know, it's so I, I just don't, I just can't imagine where that would happen. Now, I'm sure there will be some unintended consequences that I am not thinking of that nobody else is thinking of yet. Cause there always are, right? When you mess right. with an economy and what you're doing here really is you're messing with a black market. Cause right now there's a black market, right? I mean, mm-hmm. players are getting paid under the table. So now you're going to bring some of that above the table. You're going to bring some of that above board. It is going to change some dynamics. But like I said, I, I think there's as much potential that it helps a school like Wazoo where, you know, you come to a smaller market and all of a sudden you're a big fish in a small pond versus, you know, if you go to USC or you go to, you know, Ohio State or whatever where, you know, the market is much larger and maybe you're not quite you, – your value is not in being an individual. Your value is being a part of the brand, right? So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. I'm sure, again, there will be unintended consequences, but I, I, I can't imagine where it makes things worse. Because it's already as bad as it can get. The yeah. best players already go to the same 15, 20 schools every year. So, you know, it is what it is. And um, I think we'll be what we've always been. And, and I really I really think that most of the extreme worries that people have are, are really unfounded. I want to leave it um, off with this one question. Um, I, I think it, it, you know, I mean, again, we're taking things to the logical extreme here a little bit at least for me is 25 years from now in the year i can hardly do math i was a comm major 2044 um in 2044 is the ncaa gone are they gone and the schools have formed their own governing body or is college athletics fundamentally so changed that the ncaa is not the one managing it anymore and the schools have you know come come to their own grips and heck it's done conference by conference does the ncaa exist in 25 years i think what's going to eventually happen is the power conferences are going to band together and you know i don't know what it ends up looking like or how it works but i mean they already have i mean the ncaa has already made huge concessions to those power five conferences um in terms of control in terms of legislative power like those those conferences are already sort of driving the bus and again, it's it's the NCAA giving this illusion of control, this illusion of regulation. And the reality is, you know, it's it's just not there. They sort of serve at the. It's, it's sort of like a professional, um, like a uh, commissioner of a professional sports league, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's this illusion that you're in charge, but you're really not. You're employed by the owners, and at some point, if the owners are dissatisfied with you, they can fire you, even though you have the ability to discipline the owners, right? So it's like the NCAA is kind of in that same position where. There's this illusion of power, but really they're not the ones in control. The member institutions, and more specifically the Power Five schools, um, they're the ones who are really in charge. And I think at some point those schools will sort of realize that power. Um, I think I think this legislation pushes it farther mm-hmm. in that direction. And then I also think that the big thing is going to be when those five schools, and, and as much as we rip on Larry Scott, um, Larry Scott said something about 10 years ago that I think was right on and I think is the future at some point. And I don't know when and I don't know how. And it'll probably happen really, really fast. But um, and, and the TV networks, the broadcast networks are doing everything they can to make sure this doesn't happen. But at some point, these power conferences are going to band together. And they are going to work together for their media rights. 
and mm-hmm. then it's going to be a juggernaut. And that's when those schools are really good. I think that's when the breakaway from the NCAA, when they just go, you know what, we'll just handle it. I mean, look, if we're paying everybody anyway and whatever, we'll figure out those rules and we'll figure out the money and we'll do this thing and the rest of y'all have fun with the NCAA. And then the NCAA is going to be you know, in a lot of trouble because they make all their money off March Madness. So mm-hmm. what if those Power 5 schools break off and do their own thing? Or what, what if they have to license back their rights to the NCAA or, or, you know, whatever for their participation. I mean, there's all sorts of ways I think for the NCAA to really get undermined. And I think there's a chance it exists, but I think there's a really good chance that it ends up being really sort of the organization that oversees division two, II, division three, and the rest of it yeah. is sort of really different than what we've got now. And if those power conferences ever really band together right now, there's still too much regional, uh, competition between them but if they ever really band together the value they could realize by leveraging themselves together kind of like a union uh, is is it's pretty astronomical there's a reason why all of these television contracts are staggered yeah right like where you know if, you know if somebody signs their deal three years later somebody else signs three years later somebody else signs. i mean they the, the tv networks want that because they want to make sure that these conferences never get the harebrained idea of uniting and uh i think at some point that'll happen and i think that's the point at which um the ncaa st- starts to really um, sort of fade from from relevance yeah i think it would almost be like the premier league what was that you know almost 30 years ago now where they they yeah. separated and said look we can make yeah, so much more really yeah. good compact they can I hadn't thought of that. that's make a really good so compact. much more money doing our own thing like why are we even bothering with you and then they let the english football league manage everything from championship on down it just it doesn't you know they they said basically we can go make a ton of money and forget about it now that again we're talking about differences in systems here but that was that's like that's the best comparison right. I can and, think and of. And yeah. far fewer, far fewer interested investors. Right. Parties. Yeah. Yeah. You've only got but twenty still. teams in that case. Yeah. But again, that, right. that is yeah. And and what do you know? Who's the first TV contract up for renewal? The Pacific Twelve Conference. Oh <laughs> goody! It's, wouldn't it be so Pac Twelve if they go and negotiate their new deal, and then that's when all the dominoes fall with all the other leagues, like. I mean, it, it, the the contracts and the contracts up in what is it, twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four, right around the time that California law goes into place. So it's kind of, yeah. oh god, I hope it's not Larry negotiating that. Jeff Newser from Podcast versus Everyone, our managing editor. Thank you, sir, very much for the time. Thanks, Michael. Thunderhead of the week time it will surprise no one to know that my condition after that utah game was one of uh let's say dehydration and the effects that come from sunday morning dehydration and i thought what would really fix that uh is some taco del mar there are still a few open but the ones in west seattle are called like baja taco or something now because like taco del mar lost the licensing for some but not for others and i don't really understand it but anyway they're called Baja Taco. There's one in the Junction, which if you know West Seattle, it's like the main like kind of downtowny area of the Junction. The other one's down in Westwood Village, which is a little south of our house. So the first one's about five minutes away. The other one's about eight to nine minutes away. I go to the first one. It's closed because they are at some street fair thing at Seattle Center. I have no idea. So I'm like, okay, well, I could just get something to eat in the Junction. Chipotle's right there. It's nearly as good. Nah, I'm not going to go there. 
Drive all the way down to Westwood Village from the junction, which is a little longer than from the house, and discover the one in Westwood Village has closed permanently. Yeah. That was my day. And then called my wife, told her what happened, and there's a McDonald's right across the parking lot staring me in the face. And she said, come home and order something. And I said, absolutely not. Am I waiting for something to be delivered? And just went to McDonald's and shame ate a Big Mac and a McChicken. Yeah. So, Baja Taco, Taco Lamar, whatever you're called. Like, put something on your website or something. Or like, uh, I need a notification on my phone from you. Because the, the place up in West yeah, they make delicious burritos. And they're much cheaper than Chipotle. I wouldn't say much. I mean, you know, that, you know, $9 to $12. We're not talking about too much of a difference. But they're cheaper than Chipotle. And I like the food better. So I, I need like a Baja Taco specific app. Tells me when you're closed. Not just a piece of printer paper with like Sharpie scrawled on it. Like somebody's writing a prison note. It, that's what it looked like, dude. It looked like somebody was like writing a prison. Like Andy Dufresne was like writing a note to like, because he was under distress to get out of the warden's office. I'm mixing up the plot, but I don't care. It's the only like prison movie I can think of. Oh my God. I just wanted a burrito. I ended up with a Big Mac. Really not as good. Ask Michael anything, though. Man, when I need a burrito, I need a burrito. Need one. Real bad. Oh, a vault. At WSU Women's Soccer Stan account, at Sports with Neil. Everybody's copying the, the Kook Center account. I run it. I admit it. Gardner Minshew Stan account. I love that you guys are all copying it, though. What's one fan feature you're hoping for in the new Seattle Center Arena? Ooh, that's where the hockey team's going to be playing when they're in Seattle in 2021-22. One fan feature I would be hoping for. Man, I don't really, you know, to be honest, I don't really think about that too terribly much. I'd love over, like, one end of the ice, you know, like, behind the goals. I'd love, like, a viewing deck. That would be really fun, um, like, as a fan feature. Uh, there's one thing in, like, the... Cowboys Stadium that you can like take a selfie with players you can like pick from 15 or something and like a digital thing I mean it's not for me it is really cool at <laughs> Brady 27 9 TDs apparently isn't enough oh, card games or board games then your favorite specific game of the option you choose I like both um, I will go with I guess this counts as a card game because it's like one where you have to like, I don't remember the name of it. I never do. I'm horrible at remembering these things and I'm just describing it. But it's basically, um, you have to like match things on like this little circle tile and you, you know, you match it and it goes to the next person and then you only have so much time to do it and then that person takes all the cards and then first person to get rid of all their cards wins. I don't even remember the name of it. It's, it's a great drinking game. It's a great drinking game. But I will say a card game that I know very well is Gin and Hearts, and I like Gin. Gin is just a great game to play. Like, if you're on vacation and you don't want to think about much, my wife and I do it all the time. Like, when we were in Sun River, we just played Gin all day. It was awesome. At Bubba Crowley, Bubba Crowley, you can have one sandwich for lunch every day for the rest of your life. What sandwich do you choose? See, these are the questions. These are the questions we want. I would choose, like, an Italian sub. You know, all those meats, provolone, Italian dressing, lettuce, olives pepperoncinis, tomatoes, all that good jazz. Or I would choose, oh man. Nah, I'd stick with that. I think, yeah, that would be my go-to. 
Either that or the Tatstrami. Tatstrami from uh, Tats in Pioneer Square in Seattle. That, oh, God. Like that that one thing. No, I'm going to go with that. Tatstrami. It's got to be that. The last zoom. Max Corgi. Is Herm licking his lips after watching Utah drop eight? I don't know how good ASU secondary is. We'll find out more next week, but probably not as good as Utah's. So, I, I mean, that would be my expectation. And the weather should be better in Arizona as well, so that should help things. At Green CPA, Brian Setzler. What would a Larry Scott impeachment look like? Would Pat Chun, like, run the Intelligence Committee, quote-unquote? I think he would. He's a pretty smart dude. I don't even want to, like, like the old stuffy border regents at each school would be, like, the Senate or whatever. How funny would that be? Like all these, all these old folks who have to work like two days a month for their school. That'd be funny. At LSU's. LSU's. Where is the best Reuben in Seattle? So, ooh. Okay. Nope. For my money, it is... It is at Now Make Me a Sandwich. That's the truck. And I think... I'm going to look it up real quick because I think the name of the restaurant is different. But the, the food truck is Now Make Me a Sandwich. And they're at the the beer place down the street from my house all the time so that's all i know but the and not and again the producer's vet is up behind their brick and mortar and i want to stop by there every time we actually almost thought about it last time i didn't want to leave them in their crate in the car by themselves for 10 minutes valhalla sandwiches is the name of it it's an 82nd and greenwood in seattle absolutely delicious but i don't know if they have it at the brick and mortar but they have it at the food truck i'm i'm, I'm like doing the shopping now like, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing the shopping now. They do have the Reuben at the brick and mortar. So I would get that. It is absolutely superb. Really great sandwich. At Chris McKinter. Chris McKinter is season two of The Wire, the greatest letdown in television history. Boy, here comes an admission because, and I think I've said this before, I don't watch a lot of good TV. I've never seen The Wire. Never. And again, it's not a contrarian thing. I just, for whatever reason, I just don't like like really good TV shows. Like, whenever I watch TV, I just want it to be mindless and whatever else. Star Trek Next Generation's the, probably the greatest TV show I've ever watched, to be completely honest. Actually, we watched Mindhunters on Netflix. That was really good, too. Um, the greatest letdown in television history is probably the last two seasons of How I Met Your Mother, but especially the final episode. That is the worst episode of television ever made. No one will move me off this position. It's bye week. Enjoy the weekend. Go visit your friends. Go do something. Have fun. You know, get out there. See the world. Don't worry about Cougar football for a weekend. You'll have that to worry about next week. And we'll be here on the Cook Center Hour.